0: My name is Jeffrey Sidoris, and this is not a typical episode of, well, anything, really. It's more of an audio sketch or a journal entry. It's very raw and entirely unfinished, but despite those things, I feel like it's important to share because it's part of the framework of something bigger, potentially much bigger. One of my favorite photo documentaries is Darkness and Light, which is a fantastic look into the mind and work of Richard Avedon. Now, a lot of people know Avedon from his photographs in the American West. Bold, monochrome portraits set against stark white backgrounds. Or that poster. You know the one. It features a nude Nastasia Kinski lying on a concrete floor entangled with a massive Burmese python. Originally shot for Vogue, the poster went on to sell millions of copies. Avedon's career spanned six decades, and his work bridged the gap between art and commerce in a way that few others managed to do, either before or since. And yet he still felt dissatisfied with all that he had accomplished as a photographer. Quote, I've never been able to put all I know into a photograph, he said. A photograph can be an adjective, a phrase. It can even be a sentence or a paragraph, but it can never be a chapter. So it's been a lifetime of frustration in terms of expressing myself because of the limitations of the visual image. I believe in it, but it's limited. End quote. Avedon has been at or near the top of my list of favorite photographers for the better part of three decades. But honestly, it's still hard for me to articulate why I feel such a connection to his work. There's an obvious technical mastery of the medium, but I could say the same for dozens of photographers whose work doesn't hold my interest in the same way or resonate as deeply as that of Avedon. So what is it that makes his work so compelling to me? Does he deserve the accolades, and if so, why? I was talking to my friend Hugh Tallman and happened to have my little Zoom H2 with me and asked if we could hit the record button, since the odds are pretty good that at least one amazing story will emerge whenever I talk to him. Hugh recently retired from a 33-year tenure at the Smithsonian Museum of American History first as a darkroom tech, then as a photographer. Before that, he spent 12 years at the National Archives where he printed many of Matthew Brady's glass plates from the Civil War, as well as the work Timothy O'Sullivan did as part of the Western Survey. His knowledge and experience in all things photographic is staggering, and if anyone could answer the question, it would be him. Here's a slightly edited version of the conversation that followed.
1: If I go by the visuals, if I just go by the visuals, yeah. you know, having shot 8x10, I'm amazed because 8x10 is a beast. I mean, you know, just setting the camera up is intimidating. And to move from roll film to an 8x10, and yet when you look at those pictures, there's this same kind of casualness and, and kind of energy and kind of... It's almost spontaneous, not totally spontaneous, because, of course, you know, it's it's some in some cases it's lit. But it's amazing because, I mean, that, you know, at least the tendency for me, if I'm given a view cameras, you get tight. I mean, and I'm, I'm sure there are people who could shoot this way. But I mean, Avedon was really, you know, there he has the assistants lined up with the holders because that's the only way you could do it you couldn't do it by yourself because you'd be, you know, you know, picking up a holder and that would be a break in the flow. So he
0: just off to the side sort of directing and having, I
1: don't know for sure. I don't have any personal, you know, I have no personal interactions with Avedon, you know, and only, you know, I'm one of the people who just like, Oh, Richard Avedon, you know, I'm one of those people.
0: Yeah. So when you look at his work, that mystique is it, it
1: holds. It's it's there for you. Well, it holds, but I mean, I'm impressed. I mean, you know, I'm I'm really impressed with the kind of energy that I see across the board. You know, across the formats, mm-hmm. if you will. Mm-hmm. You know, that there's the same kind of energy shooting with a Rolleiflex. There's the same kind of energy shooting with a Hasselblad. There's the same kind of energy shooting with a 35. And that's a that's a phenomenal. I mean that you know that is a phenomenal um, achievement right there, because they're all different. You know, each one of those cameras has its own thing to it. So to and, get
0: something cohesive, across and to get those.
1: to get something cohesive yeah. again across all those different formats, and even all those different settings. You know, to to get that kind of spontaneity in a studio setting, and then be able to go out on the street and get the same kind of you know, composition and and you know design. I mean that that's that's no small thing.
0: I, I feel like there's a consistency from the beginning of his career to the end of his career that that doesn't feel forced. Yeah. Like he, he, he never he knew who he was from the beginning and he just kept refining it. Whereas a lot of photographers have to really try and go in, in vastly different directions to try and find who they happen to be or yeah. what they're trying to say at any yeah. point in their career. And I think that for me, that's one of the beauties of Avadon is is it's it's sort of like Picasso. You can you can pick anything out of it and and sort of move it 10 or 15 years down the timeline and put it back in and it still fits. Yeah. It's it's still you you don't go, "Oh, that that doesn't work." At least to me. Uh-huh. uh-huh. I don't
1: know. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was You know, as I say, it was a real eye opener just to spend, you know, a few a few hours there, you know, in the studio. And one of the things that was really cool was to see the uh, there's a diagram of of one portrait with all the burning in instructions and stuff. And it's like, I get it. That's cool. You know, because I used to do that. I did that in my head. You know, I'd go, okay, I want this area down 10%, you know, and so on and so forth.
0: And would he dictate that? Or was that done by, did he have a darkroom tech that that would... Well,
1: it looks like he dictated it. In other words, they would bring out a print, and then he would diagram...
0: He would mark it up. He
1: would mark it up. He Mm -hmm. He would diagram out, you know, this area I want down, this area I want up.
0: Is there anybody, I mean, do you feel the same way about... Like pen, or are there? Are there? I
1: actually like pen better. Okay, why? Uh, pen is a, seems to be a little warmer, a little more human. I, I don't know. It's a kind of an indefinable thing, but there's there's something about pen. And I mean, anybody who can make art out of frozen food, I mean, please. Yeah. That was a
0: fun show. Yeah, that you know, was. That was a got, great was show. Really, I've never seen any of his color uh, still life work until that show. I'd seen uh, his color like the fashion stuff. Right. But I had never seen any of, of the frozen foods. Or, yeah, no and, no. and you're right. To make frozen peas. To
1: make frozen food.
0: Yeah. Like Weston making, you know, bell peppers look sexy. Right. Like,
1: really? Right. Well, I mean, no, but I would say you know, frozen food even more than a bell pepper. Because I mean, bell pepper, you can say, "Okay, this is nature." Right. You know, but frozen food is like it's frozen food. Right. You know.
0: Right. <laughs> it's, yeah. I. Yeah. If you could assist one of the two, do, do you would you would you assist Penn? Would you work with Penn? I, I think
1: I would. Well, I you know again, I don't know their personalities, you know, but I probably would assist Penn. The guy that I got to talk to was Arnold Newman. Mm. Um, And he was a wonderful guy. He was great, you know. He just, uh, well, I mean, what had happened was he had a show at the Portrait Gallery and I covered the show. And he asked me to take a picture of his family in front of the poster of Danny Kay. you know. So so Arnold
0: Newman walks up to you and says, hey.
1: Yeah, (laughs) and so I, I, you know, shot this. And uh, I sent him some prints because, I mean, I was a, I loved Arnold Newman just yeah. because the whole environmental portrait thing was just, I mean, was wonderful. So I sent him some prints and he sent me this wonderful note back, you know, and told me, you know, I was really a good printer and so on and so forth. And, and you know, if I was ever in New York to drop by and see him. <laughs> so I was in New York for, for something. And I thought, what the heck? I'll yeah, call yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. And he was at home. And I went to his house and we sat around and talked for like two. And then he, his studio was like right down the street.
0: From his home? From his home. Wow.
1: Yeah, because I mean, he'd gotten this place like, I don't know, back in the 40s or 50s or something like that. And so his studio was, and then we went down to his studio and talked and i had brought my portfolio and everything and he he was nice you know he
0: was you got a portfolio review
1: from arnold from Newman. Ar- Ar- arnold duman right yeah wow. <laughs> and he was he was very nice wow. um and uh but one thing i didn't do was i didn't take a picture of him i just was while two. you were there you didn't no know. i did i did not take I, and I, I sort of did kicked you myself you two? no no and i sort of kicked myself ever since You know that I didn't, but I mean, I do have the picture of him that I did for the Smithsonian, which was for the Smithsonian Associates, and and like a lot of the stuff that I shot for them, they've lost all the film. You know, so like Tom Wolfe and Norman Mailer, Sir Edmund Hillary. (laughs) gone.
0: <laughs> it's all go gone the
1: time yeah the only thing I have is I have I have uh, Les Paul and uh, Jose Feliciano and the Ray that I I just posted on there
0: well she had a presence about her I bet huh she was gorgeous yeah, yeah. I mean you yeah. know you
1: I mean you just saw that you mean you saw that you know a Hollywood director would look at her and go cheekbones yeah. you know it's like facial structure it's yeah. like you know yeah
0: is there something about that level of photographer, the Newman's the, the, the pens, the Abadons, is that is that gone to time? Are those are those types of photographers gone to time?
1: Oh no, they're still out there because I you know I think that there's so much let um, me use the word gravitas to that work that there's almost a, there's almost a perception that there's I th- on the part of some photographers that we need to continue, you know, this level Mm -hmm. of, of visual interaction, you know, it needs to be maintained. It needs to be done. It's not the bread and butter anymore. Well, it's not the bread and butter anymore because of digital.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, everybody's a photographer now, you know, anybody who's got an iPhone is a photographer and, you know, there are so many publications and, and, you know, the whole digital media thing using those images that it's just, you know, it's it's crazy. So no, the bread and butter isn't there anymore. But the responsibility is, you know, the heritage is still there, right? And there are still people who are doing it, and there are a few people who are getting the bread and butter out of it. But it's, can can you get
0: because you you are, you know, one of the more serious printers that I that I've ever met. Can you get the same quality? digital printing as you could analog printing you know, it's, like it's a funny and,
1: thing that you should ask that question because um, I, I suddenly had a thought with all the stuff I've been putting out you know on Instagram and everything like that that I really should put something out there says, that says prints available Yes, but before I do that I want to be sure that I can present them and I'm not sure I can because I haven't done a lot of digital printing, I mean it's all been right, right. for the you know it's all been digital. Are it's, the
0: tools there? Like, are are there digital equivalents of the tools that you? Well, uh, I'm sure there are. I mean there are there
1: are master digital printers out there like Jean Paul Caponegro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know who work with this stuff and do gorgeous prints. You know, um, so I'm sure it's out there. Now I haven't you know i did a lot of printing in the dark room but i haven't done a lot of digital printing i'm not sure if the tools that i have are up to the task and now it's a whole you know whereas before it was exposure and you know i did a lot of split contrast printing and you know burning in and dodging and that sort of thing now it's ink paper right printer the file um you know, there are, there are all sorts of, of digital um, tools and, and digital requirements that are different mm-hmm. from the analog situation.
0: Would you go back and do analog printing again? Would you ever consider going back to that world?
1: My wife would kill me.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: Honey, it's just one room. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's also the smells yeah, and the, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. and everything like that. Yeah. I don't know because, you know, there's again, if I could I really need to start doing this because again, it's it's all you know, num- numbers and zeros now and and doesn't really exist and what if my hard drive's crash and blah blah blah. Right so i really need to spend some time but i really feel that there's a fantastic amount of possibility capability in digital that is different from analog um better i don't think you can ever say better because yeah. i mean you you know is it is is a is a, a da Vinci painting less than a photorealist painting, you know, from now?
0: Yeah. Do you think that's where we get kind of messed up, is is trying to make a qualitative difference to what came before rather than just letting it stand on a I point?
1: think it should, yeah, I think that's where we do make a difference. Yeah. In other words, let it stand, you know, let it stand in its own time. Yeah. Um, rather than try and impose, you know, a 21st century aesthetic on you know, the 16th century, you know, that's silly. Right, right. You know, and, and but we're, we have a tendency to do that with any number of subjects. You know, we've got the 16th century figured out, you know. Right. If they only had a democracy back then, you know.
0: Even in film, like, there's a, there's a you know, we look back so fondly on film and, and I mean, come on, you work with some of the best digital cameras made right now. Mm-hmm. Are you really telling me that a 35 millimeter film camera is somehow better? I mean, that that it just doesn't. Well, yeah, but I mean, they're no I like mean, they're, they're the, the
1: clashes it. between technology and imagery. Yeah. You know, I mean, you look at the early early Leica photographs and everything, or let's take Eric Solomon, okay? You know, the the first like you know candid photojournalists are right. very early, you know, with a, with an Erminox that has little tiny glass plates and everything like that. And, I mean, if you looked at them technically from the viewpoint of digital, they're crap. Right. But if you look at them from the point of view of imagery,
0: as you know, I think, I think that's as, the... As shadow and yeah, light. Yeah, in other words, yeah. you
1: know, yeah. it's, it's the moment, it's, it's the image, it's what got caught. It's not, you know, that it's technically perfect.
0: Is that what we're holding on to with digital, do you think, is is we, we've, we've kind of swung that pendulum over to, well, it may not be very compelling, but it's sharp. Or we, it may not be very compelling, but look at all the detail I can pull out of this image.
1: Yeah. Well, I think there's some of that. I mean, and it just kind of goes with the territory. Yeah. Um, you know, you'll never get away from that. Because there will be technical photographers, there will be technical, there will be technical photographers in any aspect of photography, right. who their their insistence is upon technical clarity, technical perfection. But and you're
0: interesting in that you walk both lines. You're 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 an image guy and a composition guy in the taking of the image, but then you've also been that technical perfection guy in the printing of the image yeah you've been able to exist in sort of both camps
1: yeah well i mean i mean that that went with the territory too because i mean you know you were in the dark room and you were supposed to produce right well and in some of it I mean, again my my interaction with photography has been pretty weird anyway in that you know you get a brady negative in and when's the next time you're going to handle this brady negative so you go after it you know, tooth and nail. Right, right. You know, I mean, and that's just because you. I grew, you know, I went to art school and I was a, you know, I went, I, I hung, you know, I was with photographers who were very high in their level of craft and I'd seen really crummy prints from Brady and all of a sudden I got one of these things in my hand. And I'm. What can I do with this? You know, how far can I take this? Why
0: were they crummy though? I mean, if they had the same source material as you did, arguably,
1: same same glass plate, yeah. Right. Well, Why okay. I mean, yeah. So again, okay. What I'm doing now is I'm imposing. See, I'm falling into the same trap that I just talked about. Right, right, right. In other words, the 19th century photographers are doing contact prints on 19th century paper, and that, that's a whole. You know, that's a whole thing where the the papers responded in a particular right. way.
0: So, was it the best that they could do at the time? Yeah, it was, was the best. Really it was the best, was
1: the best that they could do at the time. Yeah. And, and in some cases, you know, maybe you know that my judgment is bad because I'm just looking at some proof print, and that the beautiful one that was displayed someplace. That but was somewhere else. having said that, modern materials. Uh, explored correctly, were able to bring out, for me, we were able to bring out things in 19th century negatives that I never saw in some 19th century prints. But again, what am I doing? I'm imposing a 20th century aesthetic, you know, and my own personal aesthetic on what a black and white print should look like right. on a 19th century object. So is that fair? Well, it is what it is. In other words, but how do you
0: then reconcile the stuff with Steichen? Because you you printed Steichen differently than it had been printed before, and that's that's twentieth century now.
1: So was well, I mean, you know, again, I'm 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 me. You know, they gave me the negatives, (laughs) (laughs) they gave me the negatives, and I I made the print that I thought should be the print. You know, I mean. Uh, That was that was one of the things with the Avedon stuff was is that when they, you know, when we were working on the book, I said, you know, I'm not Richard Avedon, right? You know, I'm going to make some prints, and it's going to be out of me, you know, the tonal values and so on and so forth, and fighting for the, you know, this thing and that thing. So you weren't you you
0: weren't trying to do. Your version of him, you were just doing you.
1: I was doing me. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I was not doing him because I couldn't do him. He's him. You know, I mean, there's a whole... Again, That's that would be imposing a 19 or 2000 a- aesthetic on a 1960s Sourcing. imagery. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, so, you know, I ain't going to go there. I mean, I told them that and they said, that's fine because we're going to be doing the Avignon images, which we have prints of, and then these would be alongside of it.
0: Was there a dramatic difference in, in the two in terms of print quality? Or not, not necessarily? No, print interpretation. Yeah, that's a yeah, I think print, print
1: interpretation choice. is a better choice of words, okay. yes. Um, he tended to, a lot of the things that, of his prints, um, there tended to be more contrast to them. But then you lose some of that subtle. Well, you know, I was. I mean, JFK's jacket didn't look like that. You know, when you looked at the negative, right. it, it didn't look like that. But he did what he did. I did what I did. Am I right? Am I wrong? I'm not Richard Avedon. Is when you know that's the bottom line. Right. I'm not Richard Avedon. But you're
0: still coming at it from serving the original image. I mean, I think you're still coming at it. Both you and Avedon were coming at it from the same. Source. We want to serve the image.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I wanted to serve the image, and and again with the with the nineteenth century things, um, I wanted to serve the image. In other words, I wanted to find out. I mean, my whole shtick is tonal values.
0: What was harder in terms of uh, process standpoint, Brady or Avedon?
1: Oh, Brady, because I mean the densities were just off the charts. I mean, you know, and and again. Brady and, and the Western Survey stuff, I mean, the, the negatives, you know, were just like, well, I mean, to geek for a minute. Um, a, a, a nice negative would would have been like maybe 0.2 above base fog for all you people out there. You know, 0.2 above base fog uh, with a, a highlight density of maybe... I don't know, 1.3. Somebody's going to correct me on this. But in other words, you know, it's a printable range. In other words, it's not so dense that you lose the shadows. You know, so this is all the whole... Uh, gets into the whole zone system thing of, you know, you go out and you meter your scene and then you process your film, you expose your film for the shadows and then you process your film for the highlights that you end up with a negative that, you know, has a good range of tonal values, which you can then modify if you want to, but you've got everything that you want to have.
0: And, be- be- yeah Before you go... It- you're exposing for shadows. You're processing for highlights. Right? How does that translate digitally, or can it? Because you, you only get one shot at digitally. Yeah.
1: Well, I don't know. I mean, different people are going to say different things. I mean, I tend to, I tend to underexpose two thirds of a stop, because um, I don't want to lose the highlights. And then you'll end up. My my up the feeling, shadow. yeah, my feeling is is that. Digital is somewhat like transparency film, and transparency film—if you overexpose it, you were dead. You just—you just blew the highlights out. You can't go back, and you can't go back.
0: Once that negative went went either clear or black,
1: right? You,
0: you had no room to play, right? But you had roll off, and and early digital didn't have any didn't have that same kind of roll off it was either on or off right uh-huh, now right. we're getting to the point or have gotten to the point where at least at least there's some you know there's a curve there instead of a cliff
1: right right but i mean this you know the solution for me from the beginning with with digital was to underexpose it you know 2 thirds of a stop mm. now like you said earlier digital you know it it just it just Degraded into noise. I mean, when I think of, I think of my first kind of nice camera, my G5 Power Shot. You couldn't go above two hundred. ISO. ISO. Really? You couldn't. You couldn't go up above two hundred. It just noise turned into garbage. Barged. Yeah. Wow. wow. And now, I mean, even with the little Sony, um, I can do sixteen hundred. And, you know, there might be some times when I need to kind of go in and massage some of the shadows and everything, but it looks like nice triex. Mm-hmm. you know. Um, but anyway, I mean, the 19th century negatives, again, like I said, uh, a good 20th century negative maybe be 0.2 above base fog to 1.3 in the highlights. You know, somebody's going to, like I said, argue with that. Um a uh, 19th century negative would be, the shadows would be like 0. 0.4 and the highlights would be like 3.0. It would be like, yeah, it, it, it's, it looked like the black marble, you know, <laughs> and everything. it was like on modern paper, it, the paper was just kind of like, you know. So what I ended up doing was split contrast printing where I would print the shadow areas on a high contrast filter and then I would print the, the, uh, the, high, the highlights, the, the whites, on a low contrast filter. And that worked to a certain extent and then I found out, I don't know how, that one of the tricks you could do was you could pre-flash the paper. You'd pre-flash the paper And all of these things that were in the highlights that you didn't see before would appear. They were all latent and they were all hidden there. And Uh you pre-flashed the paper and, uh, you know, you could end up with this. Well, I mean, there was one that was a photograph of of a railroad bridge with all these rocks under it and everything like that. And I made some prints and everything like that. And I pre-flashed the paper, and all the rocks came up with advertising written all over them. Wow. Which I'd never seen before. Wow.
0: They just got lost in the highlights. They got lost
1: in the highlights. Wow. You know, and so, you know, I pre-flashed the paper, did split contrast. So I was doing combinations of split contrast printing and and pre-flashing the paper and ending up with these, you know, these prints that were like, you know, it's like tonal wow, you know. And how
0: how were those prints initially received by the powers that be, given that they were so different? Well, I mean, I
1: I was working at the National Archives then, so I mean, this wasn't, I wasn't you know, it wasn't a a tremendously aesthetic, I mean I was just doing this stuff, you know, for me mostly, you know, and still not getting fired because, you know, I was working too hard on these prints, but Um, We did have one show called American Image and um, we were working with the Chicago Albumin Works was doing um, uh, prints for us on albumin paper. They made their own albumin paper and then made print albumin prints. And albumin paper is basically the equivalent of, again, geeking out here. Uh, what was called portrait-proof, or printing-out paper, because there's two types of papers. There's developing-out paper, which is the traditional kind that everybody, you know, poly-contrast, et cetera. And then there's printing-out paper, which was later on was what we called portrait-proof. And um, I actually worked for a guy who still had one of these things. It was a little ultraviolet thing, and you would put the negative in there with... Um, with the uh, port printing out paper and it'd go through there and they would give a proof that you could show to the contact client print. right away. Yeah, contact yeah, yeah, print. Yeah, yeah. But the thing about printing out paper was printing out paper had a longer tonal range. It, it tended to be kind of flat, but that was the equivalent of albumin paper. Hmm. And somebody described it as sort of self-masking and I don't understand all that, but anyway you know, over the course of time, the way that you were contact printing it, you just put the contact print out in the sun and, you know, it would make a print over a period of time and it would self mask. So it got that long tonal range, but modern day paper doesn't have that. It's got, except for multi-grade papers, which have different emulsions built into them for low and high contrast. Um, modern day papers are tend to be kind of sharp, right? You know, punchy.
0: But that's that's the look, right? That's
1: that's well, that's the look. But in other words, you know, take that paper, combine it with a 19th century negative, and you've got a train wreck, right? You know, right. you've got a train wreck if you're going for a nice, you know, what are all the tonal possibilities from black to white you know, that I want to go for.
0: And in terms of, like, can you ballpark what you had seen before? Like, what percentage of more tonal range were you
1: getting? Well, I would I would say a lot of the... Uh, a like, lot how many stops
0: more, if that's <clears throat> easier? Well, I
1: don't know if I can figure that one out, but the, the 19th century prints uh, tend to look kind of flat. To a twentieth century aesthetic, a twentieth century aesthetic. Yeah, In other yeah, words, right. If I'm if I'm applying a a, a a beautiful print of Moonrise Hernandez aesthetic to a nineteenth century print, I mean that's totally unfair. Right. But um, it, it uh, that would be what I would be talking about. In other words, we've got these rich blacks, you know. We've got we can see the you know we can see the crosses against the black, and then we can see this you know, sky with the moon and, and the, the clouds and, you know, all these just rich tones and everything like that. And, and 19th century would be, well, I mean, first of all, the films didn't respond well to blue. So the skies are washed out. Um, so they'd be kind of flat, maybe murky. But, mm-hmm. but again, that's a, that's a 20th century observation on a 19th century object. And then, you know, it depends on where these albumin prints we're looking at, are they platinum prints we're looking at, so on. Um, So I was going for Moonrise Hernandez from a 19th century negative.
0: How close did you get? A
1: few times. Pretty good. You know, not always, but, you know, a few times pretty good.
0: As I mentioned at the top, this is far from what you would call a finished episode, but I thought it was a terrific introduction into the incredible knowledge and stories that are just waiting to be recorded and shared. You can find Hugh on Instagram at Hugh Tallman. that's H-U-G-H-T-A-L-M-A-N. And if you'd like to connect with me, I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Jeffrey Sidoris. that's J-E-F-F-E-R-Y-S-A-D-D-O-R-I-S or you can visit my website at jeffreysidoras.com. Thanks very much for listening. I hope you enjoyed it, and I'll talk to you on the next one.